For a brief moment, calm settles over the woodlands. The commanders shuffle their three cards as they get the lay of the land. Warriors form tidy lines in front of the map as their owners size up the other players and consider the conflicts to come. They can't escape their memories of prior alliances, betrayals, missed opportunities, triumphant dice rolls. But the stillness is broken by the gentle sound of birdsong, full of promise, but also a warning of the battles ahead. This is Woodland War Room, a small root strategy podcast, and I'm your host, Tony Sarkis. Each episode of the show will either cover a specific faction and their unique relationships to the others in the box, or another single gameplay topic. In this inaugural episode, we'll be discussing the first strategy decision players make when they sit down at the table. Who will be party to the conflict? How many people will be playing? And which factions will be used? I recently gave an answer to this question to a player on the Root subreddit, and I've rethought and expanded that advice here. If you have specific faction mixes that have resulted in memorable games, please post to the subreddit and let us know about them. Keep in mind that in this episode, I'm not providing strategy information so that you, the listener, will be more likely to win the game. Instead, this episode is meant to provide a strong foundation for a game of Root that doesn't feel lopsided, and in which each player feels they are able to meaningfully participate and enjoy themselves. First, some general notes about player count. I know that people have played and enjoyed games of Root with both 2 and 6 players, but I find that the game doesn't click for me with those numbers. With 2 players, each person may have trouble keeping the other in check, and they end up staying in their corners and trying to race to 30 points. If you do play a game with 2 players, I think the Marquise and the Eerie is the best mix. Their game plans require interaction with each other and are similar but different enough to result in enjoyable strategic play. Please keep in mind that these statements do not take into account the Mechanical Marquise, the Better Bots project, or other scenarios that add automated players to the game. I haven't tried any of those yet, but I will, and I'll write about them in an upcoming episode. A six-player game of Root, on the other hand, results in a really interesting board state, but also results in a game that typically exceeds three hours in length. With each added player, the duration of the game increases exponentially, Each one of you needs to consider even more factors during your turn. If you have a group that is comfortable with the time commitment, or even looking forward to it, feel free to give six players a try. However, I found it unsatisfying to play a smart strategic game for two and a half hours, only to be taken down a peg and to lose in the last turn. A bitter loss doesn't sting nearly as much when the game is half that length. If you have three players, make sure that at least two of the players will have a lot of pieces on the board. This is a rule that I think holds for any number of players. Without warriors, buildings, and tokens to interact with, other players can turtle and try to run away with the win using a strategy of minimal player interaction. I use the term heavy to refer to factions with a lot of pieces, such as the Marquise, the Eerie, the Lizard Cult, and the upcoming Underground Duchy. Try to have two of these factions in a three-player game. The remaining spot can be filled by any faction, but I find the Riverfolk, Vagabond, and Woodland Alliance to be great for this role. 
With the Riverfolk in the game, the heavy faction players must balance using the Riverfolk's services to gain an advantage over each other, while trying not to fill the otter's coffers too heavily. Similarly, a vagabond makes an interesting intermediary, aiding both sides while trying to achieve her own goals. With the Woodland Alliance, the heavy faction players must maintain an uneasy truce while they keep one eye on those ominous green sympathy tokens spreading across the board, and the other on the foe in the opposite corner. I love three-player games because they typically take less than an hour. You can fit two into a game night comfortably, and it gives players a chance to either try out a new faction or to try to develop deeper strategy with the same faction while the first game is still fresh in their mind. With four players in the match, my advice about the heavy faction still applies. At least two should be present in all games to force player interaction. One slot can be filled by a light faction, meaning the Riverfolk, Woodland Alliance, or Corvid Conspiracy. These factions force interesting choices by the heavy factions and all have distinctive gameplay styles. The final slot in a four-player match can be filled by any faction, but I've most often seen the Vagabond take the spot. The Vagabond is an interesting faction with six, soon to be eight, possible starting configurations and abilities, so discussing strategy is harder than with the other factions. In a game of four, the other three players risk getting too wrapped up with each other while overlooking the rascally Vagabond, whose bag and point count are constantly growing. This balance is most intriguing with a game of four, and I think this is where a Vagabond really shines. However, another light or heavy faction works great in the role as well. With the release of the Moles, you could play an epic match between the Marquise, the Eerie, the Lizard Cult, and the Dushy, with each player dominating a quarter to begin the match. Though I haven't tried this configuration, I look forward to reading gameplay reports about it once people start using the Kickstarter print-and-play for the Dushy. I personally most often play five-player games due to the size of my root crew. These games typically exceed two hours in length, and as a practical note, I recommend ordering food delivery right when you start. Dinner will arrive when you're about three turns in, and you'll have time to consider the direction of the game and the faction dynamics while you dine with your enemies. I've also found that the best stories come from five-player games, since the increased number of factions increases the likelihood that multiple players' game plans will undergo dramatic changes throughout the round. Who doesn't want to hear the tale of a shifty possum who causes the downfall of two former allies by instigating huge battles between them? Or the tale of a marquise with her back against a wall who solidifies support with the rabbits to dominate the forest? One more benefit of five players is that most players will be able to choose a faction that they truly enjoy playing. With three or four players, someone may feel pressured to play as the marquise, but having more players increases the likelihood that an enthusiastic marquise player is already at your table. As far as faction mixes go, use the advice for four players and add any faction. 
Two Vagabonds might be hard to keep tabs on, but there should be enough players that neither is able to rush ahead unchecked. They also might do a good job of keeping each other in check. Finally, a quick note about late-game powerhouses, the Woodland Alliance and the Vagabond. These factions, more than any other, are capable of amassing very large numbers of points in late-game turns through spreading sympathy and scoring quests, respectively. To prevent an unsatisfying power turn win, at least one other player must ensure that the Alliance's sympathy and bases are attacked and that the Vagabond's items are broken. This sounds easy enough, but consider the limitations of battling when you choose factions to pair with these two. For instance, the Lizard Cult has a lot of warriors, but their battle capabilities are severely limited by the Outcast suit, and the Eerie may not be able to build up a decree that lets them move to the Vagabond's location and intervene in a crucial moment. The factions I consider able to battle most flexibly include the Marquise de Cat, the Riverfolk, the Underground Duchy, and the Corvid Conspiracy, based on the most recent iterations of those two factions from the Underworld Expansion Kickstarter Print and Play Kits. A lot of strategy goes into the game well before the first turn even begins, but hopefully this advice will set you up for memorable adventures in the woodlands. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Woodland War Room. The show was written and edited by me, Tony Sarkis. If you'd like to be a guest and discuss a certain faction, please feel free to message me on Reddit. Contact information in the show notes. Until next time. <laughs>